everyone. I'm Salim Barahme, the director of PIPD. Welcome to another episode of Dardashe. Today, I'm joined by two amazing and inspiring guests. Abaya Boudi, executive, executive director at the Bissan Center for Research and Development, and Fadi Quran, campaign director at Avaz. Welcome both. Hello. Welcome, Salim. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Salim. Good to have you. So both uh, Fadi and Obay were recently arrested by the PA security forces for participation in protests demanding justice and accountability for the murder of Palestinian activist Nizar Banat, who was murdered and killed at the hands of also the security uh, forces a few months ago. Since then, protests have, have uh, broken out demanding accountability and justice, but we haven't seen much happen in that regard. I want to start with you, Fadi. What have been, what are, can you update us on the movement uh, and the protests and where things are at the moment? Yeah, so essentially what's what's happening now is, is there's an attempt to reorganize. As, as you're aware, there were protests scheduled at the end of August um, and many individuals were arrested, including uh, Ubay and I. The PA at the time was trying to make any type of protest illegal. So they had surrounded the Monaro. And there was a success after that by forcing them not just to release the political prisoners, but also there was a protest um, with hundreds of people the day after the release. Um, now there are kind of efforts happening to kind of organize a broader swath of Palestinian society to make the call for um, justice for Nizar, for elections, um, and, and for a broad range of other asks. Um, Nizar's hearing, uh, one of his hearings actually happened um, two days ago, um, and there were some terrifying details released showing that it seems the murder was premeditated. Um, but again, um, I think we will see another kind of escalation and protests coming up um, with, within the next two to three months. Okay, thanks. Thanks for the update, Fadi. But I want to go go to you and, and unpack a bit what Fadi was saying. There are demands now that are developing, not only around justice and accountability for the killing result, but followers around elections. Uh, why is that important? Why is that critical to be able to tie all these things together? Well, I think that uh, everyone can agree upon that. Uh, the current political path of the Palestinian Authority, uh, including Oslo Accords and the uh, uh, situation has reached a deadlock. We as a people need to reorganize. We as a people need to have elected leadership in order to uh, have as much as consensus as possible among the Palestinian people and uh, for drawing a path to the future. This cannot happen with the current leadership. So what is needed today is having general elections for the Palestinian National Council, which is uh, the highest body of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, for the Palestinian Legislative Council uh, and the Palestinian Presidency, which uh, control uh, the Palestinian Authority. The current situation, of course, uh, Part of the deterioration that we are facing right now is that we are having an executive branch that uh, doesn't answer to uh, any popular uh, uh, any popular uh, demands. An executive branch that rules without any oversight, without any civilian oversight over it, and the same executive branch has even kidnapped and uh, uh, I would say. Uh, 
uh, gutted the Palestinian Liberation Organization and marginalized it for the interests of, the, uh, of strengthening the Palestinian Authority. Yeah, and I think this is this is a very critical subject. Uh, accountability for for heinous crimes cannot take place if a certain part of the Palestinian political system that is not really not really longer existent uh, oper operates with impunity, and there aren't regular elections that are uh, give people a chance to elect and vote out of office those who've been in power for a very long time. And I think this is, comes back back to. Uh, maybe us talking about, you know, there, there isn't room for an opposition. There isn't room for people to protest in the streets. So talk me through, I want to hear both your stories. Maybe we'll start with Fadi. Talk me through about the, the day uh, and, and how you were detained and the treatment in the prison. Yeah, I mean, it was, I have to say, it was a, an astounding experience because the day before um, they, they had arrested, um, the PA had arrested a number of activists including uh, Ubay, Omar Asaf, and, and others, just for attempting to go to Al-Manara. So on, we, as kind of uh, different youth groups, called for a protest because we didn't want um, that to become just a successful precedent that the PA can shut down protests. Now, the second day, there were about 400, 500 PA security forces on Al-Manara, and we couldn't get there, and they were arresting anybody who was trying to get there. So we went to Maharajan Aramallah, a festival that happens every year. There were hundreds of people, and we went near the stage, and we put up uh, pictures of Nizar, the Palestinian flags, and um, kind of chanted slogans against uh, President Abbas. Now, interestingly, the, the hundreds of people at the festival stood up in a standing ovation for us. And which was just a very moving moment. It gave us goosebumps um, as we walked out. And it showed that the Palestinian street at large, this was a very diverse crowd, stood with our asks. Minutes later, as we were walking away, two police cars drove towards me um, at high speed. They stopped me, they came, they took out their phones, they asked for a few names. They said, are you fed the Quran? They had my picture on their phone. It was clear this was a political, like premeditated arrest. And uh, there were three very courageous women with me that tried to prevent them from arresting me, including a lawyer, but they were just there with political orders. And that's when they took me to the prison station. I think one important thing here is the room and the people I was arrested with initially are some of the kind of most well-respected Palestinians you can um, think of, you know, the, the poet, um, Zakaria Muhammad, um, who was also a key figure in the cultural aspects of the PLO, uh, Khadr Adnan, who defeated Israel in the hunger strike that spent 66 days launching or relaunching the hunger strike struggle across Palestinian prisons, etc. Um, Khadr Adnan was beaten uh, while we were being detained uh, by one of the police officers. But the most ironic thing happened when I walked in to be interrogated and they asked me, um, we caught you carrying dozens of Palestinian flags as if that was a, you know, crime that I had committed. And I just look at that the interrogator and I said, are you sure you want to be interrogating me as a Palestinian for carrying Palestinian flags? Like interrogate me about anything else. And of course, you know, Tayyas, as we say in, in Arabic, and uh, his head hardened. And he just started interrogating me about these flags. Um, long story short, though, 
so that I moved quickly. Um, then they took us to the prison cells. Just dehumanization 101. I mean, we couldn't sleep on our backs because in the room I was in, there was no space. And I was with 17 kind of criminal arrestees. And so we had to sleep on our side um, and basically be, you know, kind of spooning, for lack of a better word, with other inmates. Um, and it was there was a COVID outbreak just two weeks before I was arrested. There was a 70-year-old man that appeared to be like struggling for his life. And not getting the medical assistance he needed. And then they decided to collectively punish the whole room, the PA did, that I was in to get them to pressure me to go off of hunger strike. And so fortunately we were released um, two days later thanks to international pressure. But uh, I'll end with kind of the different security forces that spoke to me and that interrogated me kept repeating, we would prefer, these are the police, we would prefer to release you. We know you didn't do anything wrong, but we have political orders and we're not the ones making the decision here, showing the complete breakdown um, of the rule of law within Palestine. Thanks, Fadi. Yeah, it's, it was a, a lot of harrowing reports that came out of the way Palestinians were being treated in Palestinian prisons. And I want to take, to, take it to Obay. Obay, You've been targeted a lot by, by the PA and security forces think, for your political activism. Talk, talk, talk to us about your treatment, but also the targeting of people for, for their political opinions, for their political actions, and also the lack of any form of civil liberties that exist at the moment in, in Palestine. Okay, so uh, I was actually arrested in the past couple of months twice by the PA. The first time on the 5th of July and the second one on the 21st of August. On the 5th of July it was evident for us that the PA had made the decision to stop the, or to try to stop the demonstrations that were demanding justice for Nizar Benet and trying to stop the movement on the streets. What happened is that uh, the same that Fadi described, we arrived at Al-Munara. There were hundreds of police officers. Usually, uh, it was me and Omar Asaf. We usually arrived about half an hour earlier from the protest as uh, a way to be there earlier to give reassurances for people to be part of uh, the demonstrations. Happening right, uh, what happened, uh, 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 right now, uh, or what happened back then, was that uh, uh, on the 5th of July, uh, our families and uh, people in solidarity also came in front of uh, the Al-Balur uh, police station, and they had a big protest in front of it, uh, uh, which was broadcast live on uh, Facebook Live and uh, uh, other social media uh, what uh, the PA brought a, a large police force and they assaulted everyone, which caused a lot of outcry. And uh, the next day, the, in the night, everyone was released. And but the next day, we had only remained six of the original eleven that were arrested. We were released the next day. On the twenty-first of August, they tried to do the same thing again. They tried to quell the protests. We had planned only to go uh, for a protest on the 21st of August, but after our arrest, the protest kept on coming. And I think this has put the PA under a lot of pressure because they reached uh, a conclusion that uh, they couldn't uh, quell the protests with uh, force. 
uh, even Omar uh, Asaf, he was released on uh, Monday morning and on Monday afternoon he was arrested again for going back to Al-Banara and trying to protest. On Tuesday, when, uh, of course, uh, I want to say that all political prisoners, Palestinian political prisoners that were arrested, they were all on hunger strike, and this has become like a tactic for facing the oppression, that uh, any Palestinian political prisoner arrested goes immediately on hunger strike. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, when it was time for my release, I was saying goodbye to Fadi, and the other cell, and even the police officer reached a conclusion that he told us, uh, why are you saying goodbye to him? Tomorrow you will be back. <laughs> I told them, yes, that's correct. You convinced me. So they actually, I think the PA has uh, given up on the attempts to quell the protests through uh, repression. And this is, I think, something important. But I don't think that the PA has left uh, their repression tools aside. They are trying to target uh, other people, other activists, uh, some of the less known activists, especially outside of Ramallah, because you know all of the media attention is in, in Ramallah, and this is, puts a lot of responsibility on us to bring the cases of these people. Uh, they have arrested the main witness in uh, the killing of Nizar Benat, his cousin Hussein Benat. Uh, they are uh, claiming that he fired bullets on uh, uh, someone in Hebron, and uh, which the family completely denies. But for us, it's quite really suspicious of arresting the main witness on uh, totally different charges and trying to uh, criminalize uh, the main witness in Nizar's killing. So I think that we still have a long way to go forward in order to achieve rule of law and uh, democratically elected leadership for Palestinians. Yeah, it's, uh, it's for those who don't know the context as well, a lot of the response to the protests demanding justice and accountability were, uh, were that of uh, arrests of the activists, but also violent uh, attacks on, on people, uh, sexual harassment of women, smear campaigns, uh, blackmail threats and so it's an environment also that was dominated by fear but I think the protests and the resilience have, have continued which has been very inspiring. I want to stay with you Ubay uh, before we talk about the political situation in Palestine now. Uh, I want to you know this is, this is part of I think a larger system of apartheid uh, which, which uses mass incarceration as a tool uh, you know, uh, the large, large percentage of the Palestinian population has been imprisoned by Israel, and you're one of those people. Uh, and in the context of a, of a heroic escape by, by six Palestinian political prisoners um, from an Israeli prison, I, I want you to tell us a bit more about their imprisonment there and the treatment of Palestinian political prisoners in Israeli prisons and, and how, how that is for those who don't know. Okay, so if you're talking about the Palestinian context, you're talking about the settler colonial context that's systematically targeting Palestinians with ethnic cleansing policies. And a main tool for that is the use of uh, oppression and uh, apartheid prisons. The Israeli, actually the situation for prison, uh, people imprisoned in Palestine is only matched, I think, by the situation of black communities in the United States back in the 1970s, especially in the Deep South. 
uh, for Palestinians over 20 years old, male Palestinians, you will find uh, almost a ratio of one out of every two people, Palestinians, have suffered from Israeli jails being arrested, and this is quite a lot. We are quite a small community, so when you're talking about over 1,200,000 arrests since 1967 until today, that uh, figure uh, adds up a lot. Uh, the systematic targeting of Palestinians is trying to dehumanize us and criminalize our uh, story, our struggle, uh, our quest for freedom. And this is actually evident in every facet of uh, Israeli oppression that's uh, practiced on Palestinian prisoners, from illegal strip searches that, uh, you, that uh, a new Palestinian prisoner is welcomed by the Israeli prison authorities in, uh, the, where they try to dehumanize you and to embarrass you by taking away your clothes and uh, trying to humiliate you. From the prison situations where the threat of use of violence from Israeli prison guards against Palestinian prisoners is always there, always continue. Actually, the Palestinian Studies uh, Journal has published a special issue uh, just recently uh, on uh, the situation in Israeli apartheid prisons and uh, uh, from what people can gather from the affidavits that have been given is that uh, what the Israeli prison system is there for is trying to break your spirit as uh, a freedom fighter, as someone who is part of uh, people and trying just to make you think about uh, daily needs of uh, eating and drinking which are also not even given enough for Palestinians. Uh, of course, for Palestinian prisoners, there has been a collective consciousness that has developed a, a sense of uh, collective resistance also, because when you're talking about people that are in Israeli jails, you are talking about uh, uh, prof university professors, doctors, uh, political leaders, uh, uh, political organizers, etc., from every facet, of course, of Palestinian life. So, for example, in Ofer prison, in my last imprisonment, we had uh, 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 an award-winning winning physicist, prof professor of physics, uh, Dr. Ahmad Barghouti, and uh, he actually used to give uh, Palestinian prisoners uh, uh, courses in physics while he was in uh, prison from basic physics, the start of the universe, etc., to how to understand uh, uh, everyday things. And this, these kinds of topics, I think, uh, from talking to scholars uh, worldwide, were really amazed about the level of education and the level of uh, uh, awareness that Palestinian prisoners. Uh, uh, get out with because this is actually uh, when you're imprisoning the best minds of Palestinians uh, they actually try to light a candle in every dark cell that uh, they are in. Inspiring ending. I think that's, uh, that's quite amazing. Fadi, I want to I wanna tie the two threads um, you know what in, in terms of talking about the political situation in Palestine why is it so critical to address the, the internal Palestinian political situation in order to better confront settler colonialism and apartheid? That's, that's a really important question, Salem. So thank you for bringing it to this discussion. 
I think what we are learning as particularly a younger generation of Palestinians is that in order to defeat apartheid colonialism, um, in order to unite our people across the different geographic locations that they exist, we need a leadership that actually represents our will as a nation. And currently, both the leadership as individuals, Mahmoud Abbas, Hussein al-Sheikh, and also the structures they built in terms of how the PA functions, in terms of how the PLO has been monopolized by, by these individuals and kind of calcified, um, have become, instead of a liberation movement that seeks to end this colonial apartheid regime, an actual peg, a subcontractor that allows the continuation of this process. So whether it is the security coordination where um, certain PA security forces give information, intelligence to the Israeli side or arrest youth or silence change makers, or whether it's the economic policies that are um, oftentimes corrupt that have led to stratification and inequality, or if it's the kind of disagreement within political parties, mainly Fatah and Hamas, and they're kind of putting their personal political gains before the national interest. All of these things come together, have made us realize that without transforming our leadership, without bringing young women and men that share our values, that represent what Palestinians want into power to shift our strategy towards resistance, we're just going to stay like hamsters into the status quo. And it's important to note here that there was, I think, over the last probably 20 years, particularly with the start of Oslo, there was an honest discussion, you know, I think amongst most of Palestinian society, which is, you know, is the two-state solution and the Oslo Agreement and the Palestinian Authority a stepping stone towards the broader liberation that we want, or is it a block? And I think what our generation is waking up to after the Second Intifada and after Mahmoud Abbas's policies over the last decade and a half is that it's no longer a conversation. It has become abundantly clear that this regime and its leaders are not uh, liberators in any sense of the term. Their strategy has failed and we need something new. And that's why I think they are going against, um, you know, targeting people like Nizar Banat, trying to prevent protests, um, attacking women and harassing them in the streets. Um, and, and providing, you know, again, like what happened with Ubay when the, and, and I don't know if Ubay mentioned this, but, you know, the Israeli forces after Ubay's recent arrest by the PA also entered and ransacked um, his, his offices and the Basan Center. So they're kind of one system that's functioning to oppress our people, and we need to get rid of them. We need to do that with um, the least costs possible. Because what the PA, and I think this is important for young Palestinians living abroad specifically, the PA has two strategic goals in how it's trying to silence us. Blackmail, which is it's either us or bloodshed. It's either us or chaos. And the second way they do this is isolation. So they want to say like Palestinians around the world, don't be involved in politics. This is not for you. This is our little banana republic state. And we deal with politics here and we don't want you to be part of it. And we need to fight against those two um, threats. Amazing. Thanks so much, Fadi. And before we, we wrap up, I just want to get a sense from both of you. What can people do to, to support, whether it's Palestinian prisoners 
or Palestinians and the struggle in general? Uh, Ubayi and then, and then Fadi. Well, we actually just uh, launched a petition for all Palestinians to sign. Uh, this petition has, uh, I think, the widest consensus among all Palestinians. It has been debated and uh, discussed with uh, most Palestinian groups, uh, factions, uh, activists on the street, etc. It has three main uh, demands that I think that everyone can relate to. The first one is democratic change, having PNC, PLC and Palestinian presidency elections. The second one is justice for Nizar Banat because we are demanding an independent inquiry commission and as it is evident from uh, the facts that came out of uh, the court, uh, the, his murder was premeditated, it was not an accident. And the third one is, uh, is freedom. We are talking about political freedom, we are talking about social freedom, and we are talking about accountability for members of the Palestinian uh, uh, security forces and authority that have ordered the crackdown on Palestinian activists, families, women. Actually, some Palestinian families, three generations of the same family were assaulted by the Palestinian Authority from the grandparents to the children to the uh, young kids even as young as five or four years old. And I think that uh, having Palestinians mobilize, believing in our ability to enact change is something important. We also have the, uh, uh, we're going to have a vigil for Nizar uh, Banat uh, on the uh, 9th of October in the uh, yard of the Palestinian Legislative Council, which will have a double meaning. The first one is that the case is not uh, forgotten, and the second one is that we are demanding uh, free and democratic elections for all Palestinians. Where can people find the, the petition? It's uh, slash memo. Great, thank you. Bye. Fadi, we turn, we turn to you. Any final remarks, closing words on what people can do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that people continue to listen to this podcast because I think they can learn a lot from it. Um, and so thank you also, Salem and, and PIPD for leading it. And I want to get a little bit meta after that, which is to say that um, you know, for anybody who does exercise, you know that the more you train and the heavier you train, the bigger muscles you build. Or if you play chess, you know, the more you play chess, the more you practice, the more your brain becomes able at seeing forward and seeing things more com complexly. Or if you play an instrument, you can, you know, you learn to play it better. And um, if you're on the guitar, for example, the more you practice. And it's the same thing with leadership and resistance. Um, you can't just read about it and learn about it. You need to practice it to build muscles. And so I want to call particularly to the Palestinians um, listening to, to this podcast, which is within your communities, begin practicing leadership and resistance. Think about where you can resist, where you can bring your community together and what you can lead them to achieve. Because this is not a situation where one, um, you know, wonderful leader is going to come um, like like Simba the Lion King or, you know, Braveheart in Scotland and, and kind of change the day. This is on every single one of us. And we need to practice it to be good at it in, in every community that we are. 
So that's my kind of big meta ask is, is don't wait for somebody and don't just keep breathing, kind of get on the ground, get your hands dirty. The second thing I'll say is, is more practical, which is that um, I think that we are now at a moment where we need to start publicly saying that the current Palestinian leadership as it exists does not represent us, nor does the narrative that they speak to represent us. And I think it's important for all of us to repeat that um, also publicly on Twitter, on Facebook, because no one can rule you unless your back is bent. And we need to be honest that currently as Palestinians in Palestine and across the world, our backs are bent. We're not speaking loudly enough to say these people don't represent us. It's time to pull away their legitimacy. So signing the petition is one step, but social media and, and, and kind of amplifying that narrative is key. And then the third thing is kind of very, very practical, which is to say that there are a number of campaigns that are being waged um, to create and build um, kind of a, a new leadership model across Palestine that is collective, that is networked. And I want to encourage you, um, if you're an individual who truly cares about this, um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, you can follow Salem, you can follow PIPD, you can follow Avaz, just reach out to us um, and, and we can help you get into those different kind of circles and conversations so that we can, within the next six months to a year, hopefully um, rebuild the Palestinian leadership and have grassroots leaders that are the ones driving our cause forward instead of, you know, old men um, that barely remember what happened last week. And I'll end with that, so. Great, thank you, Fadi. Thank you, Ubay. It's a pleasure to have you both free and back on the streets, active, and all the power to you. And thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you, Salah. Thank you. Shukran, Salah. Shukran, Salah. Salah to everyone. All the best.